I've been doing a study for about a year now, and uh, it's gotten, it continued to get more involved, and it was one of those things that I've learned that when, when, when you're studying the scriptures and you kind of get to a standstill on something, and you know that there's more, but it's just not there yet, it's okay to just set that aside and just keep going on the track that, you're, that you've been on. Because everything is connected in here. That's right. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And so eventually something is going to trigger something in your memory about that study that you set aside. And it's going to be something that sheds a new light on it. You're going to understand what you didn't understand. It's pretty cool when that happens. And it works that way. And so I've been kind of doing that with this. I'll study a little bit and then set it aside and then uh, study some more. So I'm just going to share some of it with you today. And uh, this is not going to be the definitive study on this subject by any means. There's, there's a whole lot more to it. And uh, there's going to be a whole lot more to it than what I'm going to be able to get to today. This is probably about two hours worth of stuff, and I'm only going to get to about half of it or less than that. I'll, I'll stop just before noon. So if I just stop right in the middle of the pot, that's why. If it seems like it's an awkward place to hang off, then you can Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 4. If you can stand with me. Read one passage of scripture here. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 4. Yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. That's a passage of scripture that, that should trigger some questions in your mind. It ought to make you it ought to make you look twice at it and think about your own heart and your own eyes and your own ears and what you might not be seeing about your world and about the Lord. Pastor, would you pray? Ask the Lord to bless this time today. Lord, we just ask you, God, that you have your way in this message today, that you would anoint over the magazine to bring forth your word, and that you help each and every one of us to receive what you have for us today. We love thanks and love praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm going to title this Walking in the Light. And it will be, this will be part one, but you technically don't have a part one, and there's a two as a part two, right? When I, some years ago, I, uh, I decided it would be a good idea to change my name to senior, since I'm a junior. And I, uh, I thought that would be a pretty good idea, since junior didn't get the, he didn't get the memo that his name is junior. So if he doesn't include that, he's claiming to be me. When he applies for credit, gets arrested, you know, what, which he, he never got arrested. But. So I went to uh, the bank and I said, you know, I figured I'd start there. I want to put senior on all my accounts. And they said, well, it needs to be changed on your driver's license first. Okay, that makes sense. So I went to DMV and waited in line and I got up there and I said, I want to put senior on my driver's license. And they said, well, it needs to be on your social security card. <laughs> I would have been good to know before I stood in line at the DMV. So I went to the Social Security office thinking, you know, hopefully this is the end of the line here. 
And uh, I said, I want to get my, my name changed to, I want a senior on, that, on the end of my name. And she, she said, okay, well, let me handle your paperwork. She goes, there's no senior on your birth certificate. <laughs> I said, well, I didn't become a senior <laughs> until there was a junior. And she goes, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I'm going, you've never dealt with this before? This has never happened? Listen, senior has never been born. This, that, came, that comes later. So anyway, sure enough, she did call me back on a Saturday, no less, and she said, all right, we got this all figured out. It's all done. Your name has been changed. So then I had to go back through the process. And that's just a long way of saying you can't say part one and two as a part two. We don't have part two. <laughs> we won't get there. This part two has some very good, compelling stuff to it when we get there. Um, this might seem a little bit intense today. So I apologize for that, especially if I leave you hanging at a, at a spot that, that uh, might, might be a little bit uncomfortable. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. The Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. And what that says to me when I read that is there, there very well may be things in my world that I don't see. That has become an increasing, and I've talked about this before, but it's not something I've done with yet. That becomes an increasing amount of distress for me. That there are actually things in my world and in my life, in my relationships, things about God that I don't see. And the problem isn't outside of my skin. The problem is right here. It's native to me. And uh, it kind of becomes a... A living reality the older I get and as my eyes age they don't work like they used to the world hasn't changed but there are things I don't see anymore how many of you have ever had a vision test yeah. most of us have had a vision anybody who's got glasses here has had a vision test you know they got the eye chart up there I just got to do one of those on Friday and boy was that fun I have a uh, I, I drive a truck so I have to have a DOT medical card and so I went to go renew that and we did a vision test and it went something like this. Okay, Mr. McAtee, close your right eye and read the 10th line. And I'm like, F, Z, dollar sign, <laughs> a euro. Uh, now I'm getting the dollar sign, hashtag. <laughs> Poop emoji. <laughs> Boy, they really updated these things. <laughs> they used to be so boring. But they changed them up. I like that. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Can you cover your other eye and read the next line? No. <laughs> not, not without guessing, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want me to do that. <clears throat> And you know, there was one of those letters that I couldn't tell if it was a C or a G. What's the difference? Just this tiny little horizontal line. Very small horizontal line. Right? It's a small difference. I mean, it doesn't make that big of a deal, right? 
Praise God. <laughs> it makes a big difference. It's those little things that you can't see. All right? It's the little things that you can't see. By the way, when I drive my truck, I drive with my lights on during the day. So that at least if I can't see anybody else, they can see me. <laughs> Praise God. So, our natural condition is that of spiritual blindness. That's how we start off. That's pretty alarming, isn't it? Pretty troubling. That's our natural condition. We aren't born with the ability to see everything that there is. And that's what Deuteronomy 29 is telling us. That's, that's a... Uh, something that we glean from, we're not going to read this, but 2 Kings 16, uh, the prophet Elisha sees all these angels. The young man doesn't see them. They're there. In fact, there was more angels around than there were enemy. And this young man goes, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what's really there that he's not seeing. Could you imagine what that felt like to him when he saw? Come on, think about that. One second he sees nothing, and then the next second he sees all of these angels. I mean, that was probably pretty alarming. He's, he's probably going, how did I miss that? Well, it happens pretty easily. Another story that I like, this is one I've referenced before, but I really like it. Numbers 22, verses 22 and 23. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. This is Balaam. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. And I've asked these questions before. Was that angel real? Somebody? Anybody? Yes. Was the sword in his hand real? Yes. Was the threat to Balaam's life real? Yes. Did he see any of it? He saw none of it. That's another one that really gets me thinking. What am I not seeing? What dangers in my life am I not seeing? Hmm. These things... The angel, the sword, the threat, these things were spiritual, but they were no less real. They were absolutely real, and they were fixed to exert, exert themselves in Balaam's life in a very physical and a very terminal way. He was fixing to die, and he had no idea what was coming. And how many people do not see the factors that are forcing themselves on them and fixing to dramatically alter their lives. All right? We tend to see things one way while being ignorant that there is another way of seeing things at all. And I, I remember years ago having a conversation with somebody trying to explain something to them that was very important that they needed to get. This was a young person. And there was something that they were very ignorant of, and they just were insistent. I just don't see why I need to do that. I, and they were just not understanding that they were telling me the whole story in those first few words. I just don't see. He could have stopped right there and told the truth. I just don't see. That's right. That's exactly right. You just don't see. But that doesn't mean 
that the factors aren't real. So people can be completely blind to the most important factors affecting their lives. And we see this many places in scripture where two kinds of wisdom are contrasted. All right, the wisdom of this world and the wisdom uh, that's not of this world or the wisdom that's from above. You see that time and time again. And uh, I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and get Paul's take on this. He says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Okay, there's your first clue right there that, that he's laying the groundwork that there's there's something that's that we're, we're not going to go there. But in demonstration of the spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. We don't want to do that. We don't want to put our faith in the wisdom of men. We want to put it in the power of God. He's saying, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. We are speaking wisdom among those that are able to understand it. Those that are mature enough is what he's saying. We speak wisdom among them that are mature. So he says, we're not just talking to anybody here. Our target audience is a pretty small group, and those outside this group are not going to get what we're talking about. It's not for them. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's a hidden wisdom. Who's it hidden from? I don't want it to be hidden from me. I don't want anything that pertains to God to be hidden to me. Uh, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which, by the way, none of the princes of this world knew. And who are we talking about here? Listen, uh, Satan is no dummy. He's been around a long time. He's seen a lot. He knows the word of God better than we do. He knows a lot more than we do. And yet he didn't know this. Right? For had he known it, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord, the Lord of glory. They completely missed the most important thing in the world at that time. Right? But, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them, and if God doesn't reveal it, you ain't going to get it. God has to reveal it. What did he tell Peter? Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. This is a revelation. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And I like to point out that that word things is not there. It says it's the depth of God. The depth of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. There are things you're not going to get without the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He's not stingy with the revelation of who he is. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
But the natural man receiveth not the things of the, of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. The natural man doesn't get this. It's foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. There are things in this book, folks, that are considered foolishness, even to some professing Christians. Things like humility, self-denial, self-sacrifice. There are people that just don't get that. You know some. I know some people that just don't get that stuff. Skip it over to Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. So you see there in that the passage that we just read that Paul is contrasting two things. Look, this kind of knowledge is for this group of people, and these people are not going to get it. I want to be in the first group of people, okay? Romans 8, beginning with chapter 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, to think and live in carnal terms. He said it's death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to go a little further with this and, and really shake somebody up here. Just because you go to church and you associate with Christians and maybe you have the Holy Ghost and you practice spiritual disciplines and consecrations does not mean that you're spiritually minded. You can do all of those things with the wrong motive and be carnally minded. You don't get saved by osmosis. You don't become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ just by association. Praise the Lord. Verse 7, the carnal mind is an enmity against God. Paul is not informing the oneness apostolic church of Rome about how the world thinks. He's warning them about the dangers that they themselves face. And we face the same dangers. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So when they, then they that are in the flesh, they cannot please God. How many of you want to please God? You're going to have to do something about that flesh. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, there's a certain hallmark that is typical of those who are spiritually minded. And it's not the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Notice that Romans 8 9 did not say the Holy Ghost. It said the Spirit of Christ. And uh, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. It begins with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, to be sure. But you can obey Acts 2.38 and still be lost. Because there's more to the salvation process than repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. There's more to the salvation process than Acts 2 and verse 38. Praise the Lord. So what about this spirit of Christ that he's talking about here? I think you can see this in Philippians 2. And it's spelled out for us in what I think is the characteristics. Start with verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem 
other better than themselves. Look not every man after his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He's telling you, get out of your typical carnal mindset of thinking it's all about you. Of tending to yourself, of loving yourself, of putting yourself first. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to put myself first. I still do. I love me. That's <laughs> why I eat the things that I do. Well, that, that depends on your, on your context. I, I love my taste buds more than I love my health. Long term, anyway. But I mean, I feel great after I eat pepperoni pizza. So it, it can't be all that. Here we get into it, though. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Now I want to stop right there. Let this mind. Can everybody see that? What part of speech is that word mind? You English buffs out there. Who said that? Did somebody? I can't. There's a fan up here. I'm hard of hearing anyway. Somebody tell me what part of speech that is. A noun? Does that look like a noun to you? Those that said that are like, yes? <laughs> yeah, it does look like a noun, but it's not a noun. It's a verb. Take that home and think about it. That's a verb. It's not a noun. It's the, heat, the, uh, the Greek word for neo, and it means to exercise the mind. It's not just you have this inside of you. He says you need to exercise your mind this way. That's a verb, and that should change the way you read that. Take that home. Let this mind be in you. Exercise this. Put it to work in your life, which was also in Christ Jesus. Anybody want to be like him? Anybody want to think like him, live like him, love like him, act like him? Verse 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, even though he was God, he did not insist on being treated as God. He didn't insist upon his godly prerogatives. He should have been worshipped. He should have sat on the throne. He didn't insist upon that. But, he made himself of no reputation. He who had every right to have all the reputation anybody could have. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant? Come on, this is the creator. He took upon him the form of a servant? There are any servants in here? Come on now, he said, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. That tells us that everything we read after that, don't seize your prerogative, the prerogatives that you feel are due to you. Whatever your station in life is, if you're going to be like him, you're not going to stretch your stuff and go, hey, I deserve this or that. He didn't do that. He made himself of no reputation. How valuable is your reputation? took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. All right, I can do that. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He went down. He just kept going down. 
He humbled himself. How far did he humble himself? Far enough to become obedient to death, which had no claim on him. How, how far down can you go anyway? Are you obedient to your own personal death? To the death of your reputation, everything that you hold dear? Everything that matters to you? Are you willing to forsake all of that, like him? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're talking about a completely different way of thinking than this world thinks. Which says, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. Man, as far back as I can remember, the McDonald's commercial was, you deserve a break today. And it's like, we bought it. I, hey, if Ronald McDonald said so, it must be true. I deserve it. Give me a break. I deserve it. I deserve all kinds of things. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're not going to go there, that it's possible to have the Holy Ghost and to prophesy and to speak with tongues and have not moving faith to give your body to be burned, to, to give all your goods to feed the poor and do it with the wrong motive. All of those great things that will make people look at you and go, you are really something special. You can do it for the wrong motive and have your life amount to nothing. What's the difference? It's all in the mind. It's all in the mindset. First mm. John chapter 4, starting with verse 3. Are you keeping up with me back there, John? You know, is he keeping up? You guys tell me. I know he's saying yes, but doing all right? Okay. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. There's another spirit out there. There's another spirit that's trying to get a hold of you. It's trying to get you to think differently. It's trying to get you to think wrong. Don't ever think that you don't have opposition. The devil functions best in our ignorance. Alright? Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're talking about contrasts. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world he, the world heareth them. We, however, are God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. He, he doesn't get this message. He doesn't relate. He doesn't understand. And there is a message in the book of 1 John, an overriding message that we're not going to get to until another time. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. All right? How many of you think it would be a nice thing to be able to discern the difference between truth and error? Okay? If you're not getting this, you're not going to be able to discern the difference. And you're probably not going to stumble into truth. You're going to stumble one direction ignorantly. It's probably going to be in error. Uh, here's a good contrast. James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. I've known some very wise people that were not very meek people. But... If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. 
this wisdom, and this is a form of wisdom. This kind of wisdom is out there, and it's wisdom. It's real. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Earthly means it's terrestrial. It thinks in these horizontal terms. Its focus is down here on the earthly level. It's natural versus supernatural. And uh, sensual is pertaining to the senses, what we can see, what we can hear, what we can determine for ourselves. All right? Devilish. Literally, it's demonic. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But, now we get to the good news. But, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. By the way, there's an order to this, just like there is in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. It is peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. A beautiful phrase, and we don't have time to get into all of those, but it's worth it. It is. So James is contrasting the wisdom that's from above versus the wisdom that exists down here. And the wisdom that's down here is a common commodity. It's everywhere. It's nothing special. There's a wisdom of this world, it's a product of living in this world, it relates to this world, it comes from this world, its focus is on this world, and it can be accompanied, James says, by bitterness, envying, strife, and malice. And it's a wisdom that misses much of what's really going on. Nevertheless, it is a kind of wisdom, and it's recognized by the world. You can have a kind of wisdom that's visible and recognizable to your world, but it's exercised in pride. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. It's just another form of spiritual blindness. They're not seeing something. Okay? It sees things that some don't, but it misses what someone with God's perspective sees. The wisdom from above, however, sees things that every other perspective misses. It sees things from a completely different point of view. It has certain fruits, actually eight, and it's exercised in meekness, it says. That's the hallmark of this. It's exercised in meekness. It's often uncomfortable. Not everything that you discover is going to be comfortable. Not every thing that God illuminates to you is going to be comfortable. In fact, some of it's going to be deeply uncomfortable, and some people might call you crazy. Some people might run you down. And some people might call you crazy because they don't see what you see. Could you see that young man? If, if Elisha had just said, listen, youngster, don't worry. There's all these angels around here. It's going to be fine. Can you see that guy going, sure, Elisha. Sure. All these angels, uh-huh. He's ready for the loony day. Right? Anybody ever told you something? Somebody that was super spiritual that told you something and you went, eh, I'm not so sure about that. You might be written off as crazy for having God's perspective. I want to see what my elders see. And I don't want them to just tell me about it, although that's okay. But I want them to pray for me that my eyes will be open so that I can see what they see. And wisdom 
is seeing the spiritual reality of the people and the events around you. The carnal mind doesn't get that stuff. Seeing the spiritual aspects of the people and the events around you. That can get uncomfortable if you see that. Sometimes you'll see things and you go, what am I supposed to do with that? If you're asking that question, you should probably just sit on it for a little bit until God shows you what to do with that. Don't go, you know, because you can make a mess with things like that. <clears throat> wisdom sees the spirit. This is the wisdom that's from above. This is God. That's what it says, right? This is the wisdom that is from above. That means God is giving you a perspective on the world around you that you're not going to see otherwise. He is showing you the spiritual aspect. Okay? Showing you a side to it that you're not going to see. <clears throat> Understanding is a completely different commodity. You read the book of Proverbs and it talks about wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And they're, they're three completely different commodities. Understanding is the application of the fundamental character of Christ, which is love, to what you have just seen in wisdom. Because too much wisdom would make you judgmental. Seeing the spiritual reality of the things around you does not mean you're going to have the right response to it. Applying the fundamental character of Christ, which is love to that, is what helps you to see these things and know what to do with them without getting critical or judgmental. That's really important. It's like two minutes to twelve. Let me go for just a couple more minutes. Wisdom without understanding can make you critical and judgmental. Pray for wisdom. But it says, with all thy getting, get understanding. The assumption is that you've already achieved the wisdom part of it, and now you need understanding. Okay? Applying the character of Christ to that situation, that produces a positive result. That gets you where God wants you to go. It's possible to acquire wisdom at a rate that outpaces understanding, and I know that I've been there myself. I've, I have obtained a certain measure of wisdom at times uh, about circumstances, but without the requisite understanding to prevent the manifestation of pride or even arrogance and judgmentalism. You don't want to go there. It's not good to see the flaws in other people that wisdom might show you if you can't love them in spite of them. What, what good does that do anybody? I'd rather not see them at all if I can't love them through them, because that's going to make me miserable, and then ultimately I'll probably make them miserable too. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 8.13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way, and the proverb mouth I do hate, so it's good to hate evil and pride and arrogance when you see those things in yourself. That's what I really want to see. I want to see what's in me. But if I do see those things in others, I need to temper that with understanding. That mind was in Jesus Christ. He saw people perfectly, and he loved them anyway. Praise God. 
There's a uh, there's an interesting passage of scripture in Luke chapter nine verse fifty four. I'll finish up with this. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, "Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did?" <laughs> Don't you love the exuberance of, of young people? Not not these young people. Those young people. I don't think anybody here would do that. I really don't think anybody here would do that. I think He had just been denied passage into a village, and James and John are they're kind of ticked off about it. Lord, do you want do you want we should, you know, burn these people down? They just dissed you. Many a young Christian in their zeal and their ignorance are willing to do that, condemn somebody for their missteps or what they perceive as a misstep. But the Lord turned to them and rebuked them, verse 55, and he said, You know not what manner spirit ye are of. Isn't that interesting? Not only do you not really understand, you don't have my mind, you don't even know you. You don't know the corruption inside of you. Yeah. Understanding is how you can hate evil without becoming evil yourself. You can hate evil without becoming a hater. Yeah. I'm going to stop right there because it's 5 after 12. I told you this might be an awkward ending, didn't I? I'm going to have an altar call or anything like that. There's uh there was just too much to get to today. But that should be enough to, to get you thinking. It's a very potent scripture that Paul says when he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to think like he thought. I want to live like he did. And I'm going to live a more peaceable life if I do that. Because I'm not going to go around thinking, hey, 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 respect me. Yo. Don't talk to me that way, because it's all about me. Listen, if he understood and lived his life as though it wasn't all about him, and Paul said, but this might be in you, it's not all about us either. over the years, there's a lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. But there's a lot of things I do want to know. And so here's the question. Do you really, really want to know? Because some of the things that the Lord might reveal to you um, might make you have to change some things. There's some things you might have to change, and that's Maybe we're not comfortable with that. And the Bible warns us, and this, this, that one verse that really scares me is when it's talking about them not having a love for the truth. God will send them strong delusion if they would believe a lie. So I don't want to be in that place. I mean, what if you had that love for truth so much that whatever it might be, however uncomfortable it might be, and you said, God, whatever it is. And I recognize that there's probably some things that I'm not prepared for. 
uh, in John chapter 6, right? When uh, Jesus said, unless you eat this body and drink this blood, and a lot of people walked away that day. They said, that's a, that's a hard saying. A lot of his students, a lot of disciples walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ that day. So maybe there's some things that you don't know, and maybe there's some things you don't want to know. But are you that hungry for truth? That's, I mean, could you make the prayer today, God, whatever it is, I want to know. And I want to make the appropriate changes. Because some people, they will not change. They are in the bondage of belief. They are not going to change. They're going to believe what they're going to believe. And there's nothing you can do or say. You can't show them in the scripture. And I just remember this as a kid. Somebody, and I was a teenager in a youth group. And somebody came in to challenge us in our youth night one night. And they came challenging doctrine. And I said, let me go get my dad. He was next door at the parsonage. My dad came over and my dad said, if I could show you from scripture, would it make a difference? He said, no. And my dad said, what's the use of even talking about it? Right. If the scripture, if I can't show you the scripture, and that can't make the difference, then there's really no use. And I just thought, wow, what a good response. What a good answer. So did you get this? Did you get what Brother Matthew was talking about? There's some things we all don't know. And maybe there's some things we're not prepared to hear. Maybe we're not in a place where we could even receive it. But I want to change. I want to be a mature Christian. I want to grow as much as I can. And that might make, mean uh, I have to uh, get uncomfortable with it a little bit. I've been made uncomfortable this week. This week, the Lord keeps giving me these little uncomfortable situations, and I think, man, wow, how am I going to respond to this? The Lord is allowing me to have some tough, tough situations so I can, so he can see how I'm going to respond. And I prayed about it. I said, okay, Lord, I want to have the right response to this very difficult situation. And um, the Lord helped me this week. He really did help me. In a couple ways. So are you ready? Are you prepared? I mean, this was a, I love this message. I love last week's message. But the Waldron preached, you know. But I love this message this week. And so let's just take a few moments and let's just uh, thank the Lord for this message. And, and uh, just, just ask the Lord to help us to have those eyes to see, those ears to hear, those hearts. Proceed. Lord,